Amen. Let's give God some praise this morning. Thank you for leading us, team. Thank you for leading us, choir. Friends, before you grab your seats, I would invite you to turn to the scriptures. Um, and we'll be reading from the New Testament, the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Hear the word of the Lord. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Church, this is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Let us pray together. God, we give you thanks for your presence here with us. And I pray that you would add your blessing to the reading of this scripture, your holy word. Where we are empty, would you fill us? Where we are weak, would you strengthen us? Where we are wrong, would you correct us? And would you send us out once more? And God, I pray for myself that you'd speak through me or in spite of me, but may it be your message that's delivered. We love you and trust you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Let all God's people say, amen. Well, it is appropriate for me to preach my last sermon here in this space, even as someone who was called originally to Marvin to lead the core worship community, my first message was right here in this pulpit. It was a weird start if you were here a couple years ago. It was odd for us because Mark and I got here at the same time and we were prepared to start on the first Sunday of July in 2020 as accustomed at that time of year with new appointments. But just a few days before the last Sunday in June, which should have been our last Sunday off, we get a call from Dr. Doug Baker and unfortunately he had been exposed to COVID. It was that time, uh, that season that we were in and he needed to be safe and stay home and so he asked if one of us could step in the pulpit and to preach and so on that Sunday, I'll never forget, I got lost in this building. I could not even find the sanctuary. I was here so early before anyone was here and I, it, it, I just couldn't get my mind around that you, you enter into the sanctuary on the second floor over here. And so I was lost in no man's land over here somewhere and uh, it was an odd day. I remember climbing up in the pulpit, uh, Doug Baker's name still printed in the bulletin and a lot of confused faces out here wondering who is this guy that is here before us and just saying, church, I'm one of your new pastors. It was a odd start. But it wasn't just that. I mean, the very next week when I was preparing for my first time to lead in core, COVID cases began to rise and we had to have meetings and make the hard decision to close down and go only online. And my poor team who didn't know me at all saw me weeping through a Zoom meeting because I just, I was so desperate to get to Tyler because y'all were worshiping together and we hadn't where I was coming from. And uh, to start online, that was hard and, and to not get to see you for so long at the beginning. There's a lot of stories I could tell. We've seen a lot together over these two years. In many ways, the last two years have felt like 10, and I'm sure some of you can relate to that as well. During this time, I completed my doctorate of ministry degree that involved 
a dissertation on this church and how to start Wesleyan class meetings with the training of class leaders. And just as a moment of privilege, I, I wanna present this bound copy of my dissertation to this church. It will go in the library or wherever the team wants to keep it, but it is representative of some of the amazing things happening here at Marvin UMC. So if you're having trouble sleeping at all, come and check this out. And I promise this will help. But I just wanna read a message that I left uh, for you all here. Marvin Church, I'm so grateful for my time with you. It was a short season, but one full of incredible blessings from the Lord. Through a pandemic and chaotic circumstances in the world, God began to move in remarkable ways. An example of that was the birth of class meetings and a reformation of how we conceive of discipleship. Thank you for trusting me and joining in this journey with your support and participation. This dissertation is as much Marvin's as it is mine, and so I'm honored to leave it with you as a token of my appreciation and love for you. I thank God for you and all that you have given me. See you soon with love, John Wayne McMahon. Friends, I'm so grateful for my time here. I'm also sad and grieving that my time with you ends already. As much as I know that God is calling us to this next journey to plant a church in North Houston and Willis, Texas, I'm also certain that God is doing beautiful things that are beginning to grow here and I'm sad selfishly to miss out because I can see something beautiful coming and I know many of you can as well. But one of the things the Lord put on my heart for today in this message is that I believe that we're in a time of inflection that there is a time of shifting happening, not just in our church, but in our world as well. And as I thought about today, Pentecost Sunday, easy to land in Acts chapter two, but also in our Old Testament text, it's another inflection point of something happening that changes and reorients everything that's going on. So the Old Testament text of King Josiah finding the book of the covenant and reading it, and it shapes and changes everything that they do. In the New Testament, in Pentecost, we see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Of course, it's not just an inflection point, it's the birth of the church, but for the people of God, it shapes and changes and reorients everything that they do and the way that they relate to each other. You know what I'm talking about when I say inflection point, right? In business or in life, an inflection point designates a critical or significant change in a situation. It could be positive in your business. It could be an introduction of a new product line or a new way of doing things that triples the size of the business. Or it could be in a church, a way of stepping out in faith, joining uh, in a bold uh, venture to plant somewhere even when it doesn't make sense. I know about that journey. Last fall, we saw the district superintendent and said, if there was ever a time for the McMahons not to leave, it's this year. And yet we feel that we've been called into this journey of stepping out in this place of faith. An inflection point can be hard or negative. It can be the loss of a loved one that changes everything in the way that you see life and experience what is around you. And I wonder if I might be so bold to say that I believe we are in an inflection point in the life of Marvin United Methodist Church. There's a confluence of circumstances, changes in culture in our society, political struggle, ongoing tensions about racism, watershed issues like abortion and gun rights, 
post-COVID pandemic or living into an endemic, but really what we've seen over the last several years is there's things in our church that we weren't sure was there and it's been, our eyes have been open to see the things that need to be changed or left or addressed very blatantly before us. But there are things that are shifting here at Marvin. The Methodist Church, the United Methodist Church, will split in, in coming years. That's non-negotiable. It's happening. And I believe that Pentecost, or the inflection points of Scripture, help to give us a lens of what this inflection might look like for us at Marvin United Methodist Church. See, the Marvin inflections, I believe, are both indicative of current changes. So I believe it's already happening. God's already moving. But I also believe they are something that we must name and encourage this new way of living in this time of transition and this change. It's, it's a way of God's silly bonkers business plan. God can move the mountains. He does miracles all the time. He intervenes into this world in ways that we can't even understand. But he also, in mind-boggling ways, wants to do it through his people and invites us to cooperate in it. So I want to celebrate what the Spirit is doing at Marvin, but also encourage and challenge, because I think we need to join him in that to continue to sow and to continue to water what he has planted. And so that's where we come to inflection points in the Pentecost text and here at Marvin. See, in the Pentecost text in Acts 2, as the Spirit of God falls, it changes everything for the people of God. And the first thing that happens is a new community is formed, unlike anything that they knew before. How they relate to one another is radically different now. And Acts chapter two, verse 42, sums up those things with four devotions that they give themselves to. The first one is they're devoted to the teaching of the apostles. The second is they're devoted to fellowship together. The third is they're devoted to the breaking of bread. And fourth, they're devoted to prayer. And I think these will be very helpful to see some things that God's doing here at Marvin Church. So first, the Spirit is poured out and they are devoted to the teaching of the apostles. Why? Because the apostles are the ones that saw Jesus and walked with him and experienced all that he had. They were the ones anointed and commissioned to go into the world. They were the ones that the author of 1 John writes, we have seen and we have touched and we have been in the community of the one who was from the beginning. Will you come and make our joy complete by joining with us together? Those are the first four verses of 1 John. This is joining together in the following of the apostles. The inflection was now for them to live out what they knew to be true in their relationship with God, but in a whole new way because God's spirit was now within them, bringing life to the church. Up to this point, God's people knew that God was faithful and committed even when they weren't. But the relationship was built on remaining obedient and staying truthful to the covenant relationship to God. But when God's spirit, the same spirit that raises Jesus from the dead, is poured out on the church and is put into the life of the church and the individuals of the church, it is not just an expectation of obedience. Obedient new life is born in the life of those believers. It's an inflection point. And so they join themselves to this very devotion. I wonder if we're experiencing a similar inflection point here at Marvin, moving from education to discipleship. See, Marvin for a long time has been known for her devotion to educating Christians in the way of faith. 
The friendly class has been broadcasting to the radio for like a century. Pictures of hundreds of men gathering in the sanctuary from decades ago, people from other churches that would come here to receive Christian education for Bible study on Sunday morning. The, the notoriety, the uh, reputation of Marvin's adult Sunday school program, it goes far beyond this church. But I believe there's a shift happening to build on that foundation to help people not just to learn about Jesus, but to walk with Jesus daily. And we've seen that in many beautiful ways. Some of that is the birth of classes and band meetings. I remind you that classes are 10 to 12 men and women who meet together weekly to testify what Christ is doing in their life, to submit to one another in love, under a commitment to live out the truth of the gospel with one another. And we've only been doing this for a year and there are nearly 60 people that are joining together in classes and classes are multiplying. One individual told me in this process, John Wayne, I had been with a lot of churches that cared deeply about how things began. When were you saved? What happened then? Tell us about that date. But he said, not many churches have asked about how it's actually going. Another individual told me, John Wayne, I grew up in the church. I've been in the church my whole life, but I've never known that I could take on my faith in this kind of way and walk in this power and love. See, friends, a disciple of Jesus was a student that slept at the feet of the rabbi, not just a consumer of things Jesus said, that rehearsed the words of the teacher so that they might emulate the very thing that the teacher does in the world. And for too long, not Marvin, but the church in the West has centered on, let's learn as much as we can about Jesus. And very rarely does it translate to what we're called to be, and that is to live out this faith everywhere that we go. And I believe COVID exposed the deficiency in that very thing. Myself included, when the church wasn't there for me because I had to stay home, I didn't know what to do with my faith between Sundays. We're called to walk with the rabbi each and every day, which leads to the second inflection from Acts 2, a devotion to fellowship, a sharing of common experience. This turning point of the church brought people together and they worshiped with one another. Fellowship here in Acts 2 is not just some general idea of hanging out. It's not like a group of friends, but it's specifically referring to how they shared spiritually religious experiences. Now they were devoted in this very thing and they practiced together. See, the Spirit was joining together people in ways only the Spirit could do at Pentecost. Bringing together people that look different, crossing socioeconomic barriers, even barriers of language and bringing people together. You know, often when you read uh, theologians and biblical scholars about Acts 2, they look at Acts 2, 42 through 47, and they say that this is some kind of metaphor and idealistic heavenly idea of community that we'll never have again. And I think that's ridiculous. But when the spirit is poured out on community, this is what it can look like that people would not care about power, that they would give and sacrifice and lay down their life for one another. And I believe the Lord's doing that at Marvin, an inflection point of covenant calling us from individualization to covenant relationship, from consumer to participant. There's so much beauty here in this church. 
When I first visited, right before COVID shut down the state, we called uh, Dr. Doug Baker and we're like, can the Mechmans come and visit you? We just don't even, like, you all know how the appointment system works. We're like, uh, we might be moved there, can we come see? And so we got here and it was during that time where like, you didn't know what to do with COVID. Like we were scared to go to the bathroom anywhere and we were trying to, wiping everything down. We were in an empty hotel in Tyler and we got to the church and, and uh, Jerry and Doug let us in and they, they didn't know what to do either. They're wiping down light switches. Like we didn't wanna touch, you know, you're just trying to figure this out. And I'll never forget my son who's four now. He was two at that time. I was carrying him on my shoulders, uh, not because I wanted to, but it kept him contained, right? And every room that we walked into, he would go, I didn't even know he knew this word. He would go, oh, it's amazing. <laughs> the sanctuary, it's amazing. The parlor, it's amazing. I mean, everything, bathrooms. He just was infatuated with this place. And listen, there is so much beauty here, it's amazing. The facilities, the music, the leadership that's involved in core and here in traditional, the programming, powerful staff, powerful late leadership. But here's the issue when all of those things are true. We can quickly become a people who consume a product. I challenge my team down in Herd all the time because in core, Herd, that's one of the most amazing contemporary spaces I've ever seen, that I've ever seen, and I get to lead in that place. But here's one of the challenges we have. It's shaped like a movie theater. What do you do in a movie? You consume. You come in, it's dark, you leave, it's dark, you don't know who's around you. And so we can quickly begin to consume the product that is around us. We hear all kinds of fascinating things in transition between appointments. Y'all have said it, right? And I've heard a couple of times recently, listen, I'm tired of changing preachers and I'm gonna move on and get out of here. I think that's a product of consuming instead of being a part of a covenant community and who's around us. Let me give you an illustration. In Kingwood, I was getting my hair cut with uh, this lady at a salon and I got to fall in love with her. She was just an incredible lady. Uh, I'd been through so much, and so we built this relationship. But one time she was sick, you remember this, one time she was sick and I got my hair cut from someone else in the salon, and it wasn't until I got my hair cut from someone else I realized how bad of a haircut I was getting before. <laughs> and I thought, what, how, how, how do I do this? Like, I don't wanna break, I've been coming to her for like a year at this point and she had started coming to worship and I'd gotten to know her family and I started to like figure out maybe if I get my haircut with her, I can go across town and get another haircut right after uh, so we could stay in this relationship. But um, it was more than the product that I was getting from her, right? Some of us talk about church like it's a restaurant that gave us bad service a couple of times and we're out of here and moving on to the next thing. Church, we should be more committed to each other than some kind of brand loyalty or anything else. But when church is just something that we consume, then we move on very quickly when it doesn't serve us anymore. Look at post-COVID, some of the drops in attendance and the people that we love that we wish were here and we haven't seen them. It's because it was about consuming something and when we can replace it with vacation or extracurricular or other things that give us the same amount of joy that we were getting from church, that's what's happening and we're gonna lose those folks. But here's the inflection. The folks that are here are the ones that are here to be in covenant relationship with each other. 
that want to sacrifice with one another, want desperately to see what God is doing around us. And I believe this is the inflection point we see at Pentecost because it's bringing together a fellowship that actually can sacrifice for one another and will get down in the dirt with one another. The third inflection of Pentecost is the breaking of bread. This is one of the earlier phrases in the New Testament and early church that is used to talk about the participation of that holy meal, holy communion. Just referencing even what Jesus did with them at the Last Supper. And at this table, the field is leveled. Remember that at the Last Supper, Peter and Judas receive. They're served. And I believe one of the reasons that the first church in Acts were able to live out this love and sell possessions and sacrifice for one another is because class and hierarchy and power, it is destroyed at the Lord's table. Because we all fall short of God's glory and we are all in this place of redemption. We are only here because of him, because of Christ. And that is represented best at the table. And I think that Marvin's inflection here is that we're moving from a church of community leaders to a leadership church for the community. A church of community leaders to a leadership church for the community. And friends, if I haven't been challenging enough, may I do it one more time? There are times when we can be very proud at who comes to our church. And this reputation is still around the city. A family recently inquiring about joining Marvin shared, confessed with me that joining Marvin, quote, says something to others and we want to make sure that we can live with that. What it means is in some amazing ways, Marvin membership has consisted of amazing leaders from our community. But what constitutes leadership within the church, I believe, is being challenged today. If our mission and vision is to make disciples to share the hope and love of Christ for the transformation of the world, then how well you run a board meeting is less important than how devoted to prayer you are. And this is not to say that board members or elected officials or corporate giants do not have a ton to offer this community, but it is to say that the Christian in recovery from addiction, desperately following Jesus, can serve at Marvin next to the CEO because the new definition of leadership is the person that is following Jesus closely and bringing others with them. Amen? And this is hard work because it's a change of metrics. It changes how we measure things and how we think about ministry. See, our measurables of worship attendance and giving are important, but they have risen to overcome what it means to be in prayer and to be in disciplines and to have the ability and the gift of sharing Christ with others. And so I believe that we're being called to be a church that leads in the community instead of bringing just leaders here to be at the church. And fourthly, the inflection at Pentecost is prayer. Pentecost was a holy movement of prayer for revival. The people of the first church were given directly to this work of the Spirit, driven to a commitment to God and to God's people. One of the great theologians of revival in our history, J. Edwin Orr, says this, whenever God is ready to do something new with his people, he always sets them to praying. J. Edwin Orr would talk about revival in this way, defines it as, very simply, revival is an outpouring of God and his people when Christians repent of their sin, renew their love to God, 
recommit themselves to God's purposes and invest extended time in prayer, communion with God and meditation and experience blessing in Christian service. Edwin Orr would say later that we don't have to convince an unwilling God to come and refresh us with his presence because he's for it, but he cannot be manipulated. And when sincere hearts who know they cannot do his work nor his will without him, humbly pray, he will answer. And I believe there's something stirring already in the life of Marvin built on the foundation on the shoulders of people that you probably don't know about that have been praying for a long time but there is a stirring of prayer leaders at this church that are not just checking in with their grocery lists of things that we need, but travailing after the spirit, that the spirit would do a new thing in this church and in the city of Tyler. When I first got here, one of the, I've been here maybe two weeks. I was trying to set up my office and a leader of the prayer team here came by my office and knocked on my door. I turned around. Before she introduced herself, she goes, do you believe in prayer? I was like, yes, ma'am. Well, why haven't you been to our prayer meeting? I'm like, I'm coming right now. I said, I'm I'm there, I'm sorry. Uh, This has been the spirit that is underneath so much of what is happening at Marvin. People devoted to prayer. And I believe that is spreading out in beautiful ways. And we need to call more because we don't have to convince God to pour himself out in our midst. He wants to do it. But he's calling us to call on him as well. And I believe this inflection in the life of Marvin is moving us from a fortress to a frontier. See, Marvin is a church of incredible history, a history of perseverance, a history of bold faith of leaders, the early founders stepping out in faith to build this church many years ago to to leaders launching out new faith communities. Did you know that Marvin's history is wrapped up into nearly every Methodist church in our region, whether planting it ourselves or sending out leaders or providing financial support to do it? to devotion to the Bible and Christian education here in Tyler. But here's the temptation of a long-standing large church, and that's to become a fortress, a place where we design everything we do around programming to try and get people to come inside the fortress, planning and leadership to preserve the fortress, meetings to sustain what we have, and it can quickly overshadow what we do on the frontier. What would it look like, again, Marvin, to return to the frontier? You've lived there for most of your life. What would it look like to consider the torn parts of the fabric of our society and jump all in there? To go, this foster care problem in Tyler, we're not gonna stand for it anymore. This trafficking issue in North Tyler, we're not gonna stand for it anymore. The education issues, we're not gonna stand for it anymore. We are gonna be a part. We're not just gonna do a church program, but we're gonna leverage what the Spirit is doing in our community so that we can be leaders in the community. What about for strategic planning to be about church planting and innovation and the unreached people of Tyler, Texas? A simple example, not very innovative, but Easter in the park. Two years ago, we were thinking, what, let's just try it. Let's, I, let's give it, and I hope you can be more innovative than this, right? 
but it was risky. We were like, I don't know if people are gonna show up. We've never done this before. Let's get out there. And we started praying. We expected two to 300 and saw seven to 800 and people from all across the community. What if we start swinging, even though we may strike out, but start swinging for the fence in ways that we can be on the frontier again? Because Marvin is positioned in the heart of Tyler for a reason. Let me close in the best way I know how. An illustration about cooking a brisket. There are friends here, maybe here in the room now, that we met at swim lessons. And one of the passing comments I had early on as we were getting to know them was, hey, I would like to have you over sometime to smoke some meat. That's what I said, but that's not what they heard. What they heard was, I'd like to invite you over to smoke some weed. I didn't know that for a while. <laughs> so some time went by and we hadn't heard from them. We're wondering what's going on. And we, they invite us over for dinner at some point. And, and after they got up the nerve, they confessed what they thought they heard. And they've been trying to talk themselves out of. Surely not. That's surely not what he said to us. <laughs> Smoking brisket, meat, is not complicated. Salt, Pepper, if you're not a purist, maybe some other seasoning, temperature, consistency, intentionality, being comfortable with failure and trying it again, but it takes time. Like you have to arrange your weekend or arrange the day over this brisket. It affects everything else you do because you have to give yourself to it, but it's not complicated. I believe revival is a lot like this. It's not complicated. It requires intentionality, consistency, and time. Marvin, you have all the ingredients. Sometimes for no reason at all, you'll land with these ingredients with a less than average outcome, but keep working at it. Discipleship, Christian leadership, sacrificial fellowship, prayer, committed to holiness, a holy discontent, with what it means to be a fortress, but to want and to desire to live life on the frontier. This is what the world needs. This is what Tyler desperately needs. And all the ingredients are here. In the words of Albert Outler, give us a church whose members believe and understand the gospel of God's healing love in Christ to hurting men and women. Give us a church that speaks and acts in consonance with its faith, not only to reconcile the world, but to turn it upside down. Give us a church of spirit-filled in whose fellowship life speaks to life and love to love and faith and trust respond to God's grace. And we shall have a church whose witness in the world will not fail and whose service to the world will absolutely transform it. Marvin, let's be that church. Let's do it in Willis, Texas. Let's do it in Tyler, Texas. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, let all God's people say, amen. amen.